All right, Charles, for this episode, we ask fans of Northern Exposure, fans of the podcast, to give us their thoughts on this episode of Northern Exposure. It's called Horns, Season 6, Episode 13, the 100th episode of Northern Exposure. And uh, yeah, we put a call out on Twitter, Facebook. We got some responses on Facebook and also a lot of feedback in the Facebook group Club NX. So normally, you know, we'll ask someone outside of the podcast to give their thoughts on the episode and then we'll respond. So Charles, let's go ahead and read some of these uh, comments on Facebook and see if we can respond. All right. First commenter is Cup of Joe with Smokey Bernstein, here to comment about Joel's appearance this episode and saying that he bears a little resemblance to Jeremiah Johnson, the first film he ever saw in theater. Slept through Fiddler on the Roof, so that doesn't count. It was a huge influence on me as a youngin. I can connect the dots from the film all the way to Northern Exposure for me. Great meme, too. But not my favorite episode either. Yeah, I remember in the episode, Maggie is looking over Joel and sort of uh, complimenting him on his look, kind of a rugged Jeremiah Johnson look. And yeah, Charles, I can't remember. It's, I mean, my only knowledge of Jeremiah Johnson is through that that reaction gif, that meme. But I wonder, uh, I guess maybe I should check that movie out. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> it's got to have some sort of like cultural appeal for it to even be turned into a meme in the first right. place because someone would have to have watched it <laughs> yeah all right leading us next is nate crawford who says i remember this being the point in the series at which entertainment weekly essentially said the show was over and done with and had long ago grown twee what do you think twee means oh man that's such a good question i didn't even know i thought that was a more like contemporary term Let's see. Twee is an adjective, I guess, from the British. Excessively or effectively quaint, pretty or sentimental. Um, I mean, I, I'm not saying that this is a brand new word or anything. I just thought it was maybe more uh, in use today that I've, mm -hmm. I've heard the term twee. But I tried to look for this Entertainment Weekly article, just Google search Entertainment Weekly Northern Exposure Twee or just Entertainment Weekly Northern Exposure. Um, and I don't doubt it. I'm sure there was starting to be some negative press for Northern Exposure at this point. But uh, yeah, maybe this is the, uh, it seems like, is this the moment in season six where it all starts to fall apart? Charles, was there a moment before this where you were like, uh, like scratching your head? And season six uh, has been ups and downs so far, but definitely more ups and downs than season five. You know, bringing this up, I actually think it's really curious because now we have the internet. You can get instant feedback on whether or not your show is a success or, you know, fans hated mm -hmm. it. But back then, I, I guess you like you have the dials, you, you can check the ratings, but like that didn't essentially tell you, you know, the quality of the show. So you, you kind of had to wait till like next week for like the newspaper article to publish it mm -hmm. or like next month for the entertainment weekly to be, Oh, wait, wait it says weekly. So I guess it's weekly. It's not yeah. monthly. <laughs> but, entertainment okay. monthly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would yeah. wait for entertainment weekly to come out and be like, yo, this sucked. <laughs> so then you got like the feedback a week later. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know which one's better. Yeah. I guess like also like the water cooler conversation at work, you know, like after, well now it's Wednesday night. So after Wednesday, like Thursday morning at, uh, around the coffee pot at work in the office talking about northern exposure how it's uh how it's fallen apart how it's grown twee mhm mm 
All right, next up we have Jeffrey Berger. He says, I need that logo on a t-shirt or a cap. And Barbara Goins chimes in and says, Jeffrey Berger, great idea. Would love to have that on a t-shirt. Yeah, they're referring to the Sicily water. This is We posted this uh, on Facebook as a call to action, and it was a picture of Maurice with a hard hat on. The hard hat has the Sicily water logo, which is, uh, I don't know, like, is that Times New Roman? It's like sort of this, it's green colored uh, lettering, and it's on top of this hourglass uh, design, just image, like a clip art hourglass. The top chamber of this hourglass is like a mountain, and the bottom chamber is dripping water. It says the taste of time. I think it says some stuff underneath that too, but I, I can't really blow that image up. Um, but you also see this at the beginning of the episode when we're kind of like entering into the water plant, I guess you would call it. And like, it's at night and it's like very mysterious lighting. And that's when, uh, uh, that the Frenchman guy is like freaking out, calling his wife on the phone and crying, uh, very mysterious, very, very X-Files sort of opening, but, um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that would be a fun little memento to have. I think uh, we'll get to it in a second, but someone had commented that they actually had like bought uh, from an auction, maybe from one of the Moose Fest days or something, an actual Sicily water water bottle. What? So we'll get to that, I guess, in a second when we get to that. That's so cool. Yeah. So it exists out there. Okay. Well, up next is Lewis Hudson, who says... I was so upset with this episode. It was supposed to be a pivotal episode when Joel gets released from his contract, but instead, the entire episode is so unwatchable that you forget that Joel was no longer contractually obligated to Alaska. Northern Exposure is such a great show. How could it come to this kind of script? Yeah, that's something I kind of, I don't know if we mentioned it, but it's a really good point how like the episode begins with Joel getting out of this contract. And as you're watching the episode, you kind of forget that. Lois kind of pointed that out. You forget that Joel is no longer contractually obligated to Alaska. We get this whole plot line about tapes. Like Shelly is keeping these tapes from Joel. And I think we did comment on this, Charles. I was like, I don't want this episode to be about tapes. Like, can this be about Joel and like his decision to go back to New York or to stay in Sicily? Please, like, what's happening? Yeah, I agree. I think it they really whiffed it on there. And it's been a few weeks since we talked about this episode. We're coming in mm-hmm. from the future, but I still distinctly remember saying that we can dump one of the plot lines, you know, and have Joel and Dr. Phil Capra work together mm-hmm. in order to get to the bottom of this so that you can get a best of both worlds, so you can have a little passing of the torch. You know, another one. I, I, I know they had the golf one, but, you know, you can have two. Right. And you know what? Actually, that kind of segues perfectly into another comment uh, later. Cup of Joe with Smokey Bernstein had did comment back later on another post saying that he was listening to the second half of the pod while on the train to Paris drinking San Pellegrino, not Perrier. It's a picture of <laughs> him holding San Pellegrino, I guess, his view from the train in the background. And he said, I totally agree about how Joel and Phil could have had a Flintstones meets Jetsons moment part deux, which I'm guessing means like, you know, they could have uh, realigned again, like like you're talking about, like in that episode, I um, believe it was real politic, but the one where like they go golfing. But yeah, there was even, we commented on this, Charles, there's a scene where Phil goes to meet Maurice at the brick 
Joel is also at the brick at the same time in the same scene. You know, it's like, would Phil not go walk up to Joel? And I think you had suggested, Charles, it's like, Phil is trying to figure out what's going on with the water. Why not enlist another, you know, medical mind, you know, Joel here? Right, right, right. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pivot us to uh, some of the comments we got in Club and X because we got a bunch there. Actually, I think... I don't know who the first was to comment, but I think the first one that I read after posting on Facebook was from Darren Mitchell. Uh, We asked the question, what are your thoughts on the 100th episode of Northern Exposure? Horns. Like, do you remember this episode, Horns? What are your thoughts on it? Darren Mitchell responded, sorry, I'm too emotional to comment. And then like an emoji of like a laughing face. (laughs) So uh, yeah, you know, right off the bat, It seems like even fans of the show are uh, a little upset with this episode. Uh, But we do have a um, flip side point of view from Quentin Paul Kuntz. Uh, Quentin said they loved it. Maurice was so funny with Barbara. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know how you felt, but I definitely enjoyed having Maurice and Barbara together in this episode. I think we also commented, it was like, uh, at the end of the day, it was kind of in service to this kind of cheesy water, you know, the Sicily syndrome plot line. I'm happy to have an episode with Maurice and Barbara. It, it, it could have been better. Um, let's see. Steve Bengal says, always thought Maurice, the entrepreneur, should have sold the water as an aphrodisiac. Now, there are episodes where Maurice was like trying to market um, like the, do you remember it was like the Midnight Sun episode, I think? It was one of those episodes where it was always sunny. And Maurice was trying to use that to like market a resort saying that you could come to Sicily, get like this 24 seven sunlight and it does wonders for your like seasonal depression, but they didn't call it that. Do you remember what they called it back in the nineties in that, in that episode? It was like a seasonal affective sin disorder. Is it sad? Yeah. Sad maybe. That Mm -hmm. sounds right. Yeah. So they had referred to it as that. And let's see next Richard Rafferty posted for ages I've thought the water storyline felt like a repurposed X-Files plot. Glad I'm not alone. Definitely. I mean, we talked about that. The introduction of that storyline with um, Bertrand, I believe his name was, the, I, we're calling him the water engineer, with him like in this very dark, dramatic lit room, crying on the phone. There's something in the water, something terribly wrong. Even maybe, well, I guess the end of that plot line was sort of like a weird, goofy sort of sci-fi solution with the idea that uh, this water, God, I'm still thinking about, I don't know if you remember this, Charles, but the line that Phil says about like how the water killed the dinosaurs. Maybe it wasn't a asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Yeah. Maybe it was like them having too much sex. They drank water and they sexed each other to death or something. This still doesn't, I I haven't pieced it together weeks (laughs) from that episode because like this water comes from the earth. It's natural. Like it's as natural as you're going to get. What do you mean? Like the natural cause. It's too pure, Charles. That's what they were saying, right? It's like, 
It's so pure I, that it has to metabolize some weird way in our body. I don't know. It's such a weird way. Because I can get it if you say it like, you know, on like purebred dogs, it's actually kind of a problem because they're susceptible mm. to like diseases. Same way with crops. Like yeah. if you don't diversify the crops, they're susceptible to like a certain type of pest. Like a breed of banana was like completely wiped out by this one insect because they all shared the same thing. Mm-hmm. I can get the argument coming from that place. But, uh, you know, when you, when you compare it to water though, <laughs> like your imagery of water – is almost always pure and rebirth. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's supposed to be good. Uh, let's keep going. Eric Bluestein says, as episodes go, it was not one of the best, not one of the worst. But Diane Delano was fantastic. That's the actress who plays Szymanski. And you know, I gotta say, I think we've had a few Szymanski episodes like in... Gosh, I could be wrong, but I feel like season four, season five, where Szymanski comes in for just like a moment here or there and is purely just serving as law enforcement. We don't really get to see her character or more interactions with other characters. I'm thinking of probably episodes where she like comes in to try to find Cal Ingram or this or that. And she's, you know, her storyline starts and ends, or her, her effectiveness in the episode's begins and ends with just her being like, all right, where's Cal? Like, we got to find Cal. And that's about it. So I am glad to see that there's a little more happening with Szymanski um, because when she's first introduced earlier on in the series, definitely feels like a, you know, a larger character, you know, still a guest star, but someone who, you know, has a little more dimension there. And then it kind of became something where she either doesn't show up for like large spans of episodes and then when she finally does, it's, you know, very brief and not really any connection with Maurice a lot of times. This is just from my memory. All right. Ivan Kovac. I love that episode. Simple and done. So. All right. Yeah. I mean, like we're kind of, we're being very critical of this episode, but I figured we should reach out and see like, what do people think? Is it universally panned or are there some fans out there? We got Ivan Kovac who loved the episode. And I think we just got two more. So Chris Valley from Club NX says, haven't watched this one in years because of its cringeworthy, reductive gender stereotypes, contradictory to what made NX so great in the first place. Melvoin really dropped the ball with this one. Melvoin being the screenwriter for this. And yeah, Charles, I think you talked a lot about this in our podcast, where at first it was, you were just kind of confused and then it didn't like make sense. And then finally, when you figured out maybe what the writer was doing here is like, wait, this is like kind of almost offensive here. Yeah. Well, like I wouldn't necessarily say offensive, but more so that like, I didn't realize the little flip that they were trying to do of, you know, like certain uh, traits from one gender being flipped to another gender and stuff like that. I didn't realize that until like, uh, gosh, like oh, at least over half the episode. And then I was like, oh, that's what they're, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's like, that's what they're doing. But then it's also like, I liked how you pointed out that these traits that they're trying to label as one gender or the other, it's not like these traits should be exclusive to the separate genders. Like you should try to embody all of these traits. Like th- this is just like good to be like, this is a good character trait to have. Right, right. Like, you know, kindness, assertiveness, uh, thoughtfulness, <laughs> yeah. um, standing up for yourself. Like, that's not like a gendered thing. That's every, that's a human thing. Yeah. And this episode kind of tries to split that down the gender line and, you know, have 
the men act one way and the women act another way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get to our very last comment here. And I did promise talking about that plastic, the water bottle prop. So let's see. Linda Kristen Ty said, at Moose Fest 2010, I bid on and won an empty plastic water bottle prop with the Minifield water label on it. Authentication paper stated it was found behind the seat of Maggie's prop plane. So they just had this, this, <laughs> this bottle was just sitting there for years. Uh, I think I paid $40 for it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. That is not that bad. No, that not is, at all for a prop. That's amazing. Yeah. What is that? Like four bottles of a, what, what is that? Um, <laughs> what's that? Fiji, uh, Fiji? Yeah, that's like four bottles of Fiji water. <laughs> Uh, she said, people on my bus ride back to Oregon looked at me weird because I was clutching this empty plastic water bottle, grinning like it was some magic heirloom. Um, and then uh, there's some more comments here. It seems like uh, Mary McAllister says that if my memory serves right, you gave it to me a few years ago and I still have it above the shelf in my hall. So trading it off with other friends and other fans of the show. Let's see. Christy Osborne Hopper replies, I have one too. So she also has one of these props. She says, my daughters say they want it listed in my will so that <laughs> they can inherit this water bottle. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, Charles, if there was a prop from the show that you could, that you could claim, do you have any, uh, do you have any favorite props? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to think, think of one now. Yeah. I mean, I've already mentioned this on the podcast. Uh, I don't necessarily need the prop from the show. But every once in a while on eBay, they will list the calendar. It's like the Clico Club calendar that's on the back of Joel's door in his in his uh, office. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like oh, the Eskimos yeah, yeah, yeah. Clico Club. Mm -hmm. You can still find those on eBay every once in a while. That would be a fun prop to have because it doesn't, it's not like a moose and it's not like, it doesn't say Northern Exposure. So if someone like sees it, and they recognize what it is, then it's like, okay, true fans would know that this Clico Club calendar is in like almost every episode of Northern Exposure simply because it's like a key feature of this set that is in a lot of episodes. You know, I wouldn't mind having some of the outfits that they wore. Mm, Joel yeah. has that very distinctive, uh, it's like that red tie of his. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's on one of the DVD covers where it says like, welcome to Sicily, Alaska. But it's one where it has uh, some squares on it. They're blue and it's going up against a red tie. He wears mm. that in a lot of episodes. Maurice's coat, the one that's... Uh, like the leather one, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I almost said it like, it kind of looks like the one that like Bane wears and like Batman, <laughs> like the Dark, Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> the ba Maurice's Bane coat? I yeah. love it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about the fashions and the uh, outfits in Northern Exposure on our Patreon. You can visit it at patreon.com slash Northern Overexposure Podcast. Every month, once a month, we release a bonus episode. And we've done it twice, actually, where we talked about the fashions of season one and season two. And I think we also did season three, if I'm not mistaken. We've done a lot of, we, we just like selected a lot of looks you can go onto the Patreon and see for free. You don't have to be a member of our, you don't have to be a patron. You can just see all of the uh, stills that we grabbed of the different outfits. Um, but if you want to listen to us talk about these outfits and some of our favorite looks from the show, uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. But Charles, I think that does it for all of our comments here. 
And we want to thank everyone for commenting online because, as you know, we did not have a guest for this episode. So thanks to all of you fans, listeners, for stepping up and telling us your thoughts about this episode. Charles, we're going to be talking next week about episode 14 of season six. It's called The Mommy's Curse. And we actually get to interview Michael Lang. Once again, the director, Michael Lang, who directed next week's episode. Yeah, woo-woo! It was such a great MNRV. <laughs> yeah, pretty excited to share that with you guys. And uh, we'll be talking all about that next week. So Charles, I'll see you then. All right, I'll see you then. Northern Overexposure Podcast is edited by me. Our theme music was remixed by Matt Jackson. Thanks to B-Ball Y'all for the podcast artwork, and thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to write in, you can reach us at northernoverexposurepodcast at gmail.com, at northernoverpod on Twitter. And if you like the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash northernoverexposurepodcast. And of course, thank you for listening.